Hey, thanks for joining us for this special sermon series we're calling Hurt, all about those life seasons when it hurts. The good news is God can do something about it. We hope that this discussion will encourage you in some way, and we also hope that you'll connect with us a little bit further by filling out your connection card before you leave. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you after the talk. Welcome, whether you're watching online or you are here in person, we are glad that you're joining us as we're in part two of our series called Hurt, What to Do for Those Seasons When Life Hurts. I want to wish you all a happy Memorial Day weekend uh, and, and hope that you enjoy your gatherings with your family over this weekend. Take a moment to pause and thank those uh, that have given their lives so that we can enjoy the freedoms that we have and live the lives uh, that, that we're able to live here in this country. If you want to take a stroll uh, through the Pewtown Cemetery, uh, the organization that puts flags on veterans' memorials has come through and they set up flags for this Memorial Day weekend. There's over 30 veterans that are, in, uh, that are being honored in that way over this weekend, and, and we just want to thank uh, all of those that serve, that have served, and uh, we appreciate you in remembering those lives that were given for the freedoms that we have. We also realize, as Chris said, that it's been a difficult week, not only for our country, but for our town. And so here in Pottstown, many of you are aware that there was a large home explosion. Uh, still don't know the cause of that. We do know that five of our neighbors lost their lives, including four children. So we are, as a church, actively involved in the relief efforts that are happening in and through town. Tonight, there's going to be a prayer visual at the high school gymnasium parking lot. We've been asked to assist with that. We are actually looking for a couple more people who could help us with setup and teardown of the equipment. That would all be happening. The setup and teardown would be happening between 5.30 and 6.30, and then again over uh, after it's over. If you can help, please see Todd. He will put you to work this evening. And we are then participating in the vigil at 7 p.m., and it's really just going to be a moment of silence, a time for our town to come together and to weep with those who weep. We know that these were students that were a part of our school systems, and, and uh, we have teachers and, and administrators and kids uh, that are all affected by this, let alone the entire neighborhood uh, in that area. Uh, we are spreading information about how to help the families that have been displaced. There's 10 Pottstown families that are not allowed back into their homes yet. We believe most of them will be able to return uh, this week, we'll let you know if there's any more needs that we can help with. There is a fund that has been created. Um, it, you can find it at the TCN website, Tri-County Network, tcn.org, and you can give financially there. We would encourage you to do that. 100% of the money that's given to that fund 
uh, will go to Pottstown families, and we as a church from our assistance fund will be donating to that as well. We continue to come alongside other churches uh, in the area as we lock arms together to supply not only the physical but also the spiritual needs that are are in our community. At the end of our service, we're going to stop and have a time of communion. And uh, we're going we're gonna to have a time of silence, allow you guys to reflect. I think it's super important in these moments to be still, right? To be still and know that he is God, is what the Bible says. So we want to offer in the busyness of everything that's happening, in the heaviness of everything that's happening, a moment to be still in the presence of God where two or three are gathered in his name. He is there. And we have gathered in the name of Jesus, and we're going to be still and allow you to reflect, allow you to pray, and, and then participate in a time of remembrance for what Jesus has done for us. And that'll be our communion service. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, we invite you to participate in that, serve, in that communion time. You don't have to be a member. And uh, if you don't have the elements yet, you can grab those as we sing at the end of the service and feel free to, to uh, get those at any point. I'll lead you in that communion time. Uh, at the end. So if you're watching from home and you'd like to participate in the communion, uh, even now you can skip the first part of the sermon and go get something to drink and some bread and have that ready. And we'd invite you at home to be still. Uh, No matter if you're here from Pottstown or if you are somewhere internationally, we would appreciate your prayers as we pray together for our neighbors. It's kind of appropriate, I believe, God has set us up in this season to have a discussion that I think is super important. And it's a discussion about hurt And so we're in the middle of a series, uh, a five-week series on the topic of hurts, and we're talking about those different moments and those different places where hurt affects all of us. Last week, we talked about the general idea of when life hurts, and we have gotten so many great comments and feedback from that. If you weren't able to to, uh, participate in that teaching time, we'd encourage you to watch it online. You can do that anytime at our website or on YouTube. And then some of our small groups have taken the discussion guides, which we're posting, and, and they've talked through that. And those discussions are even more powerful than just sitting and listening to some, some guy wax eloquently or not so eloquently for, you know, 40 or 50 minutes, whatever it might be, talking together about how, how to resolve and heal from hurt. And I think that's one of the most important exercises you can do with your spouse, with your families, with your small groups, as we do life together during this series, is just to talk this stuff over that we talk about. Today we're in week two, and the series uh, is broken up into different, different moments where, where when marriage hurts, when family hurts, when, when uh, God hurts, and we'll be covering those in the weeks ahead, so join us for that. Today we're focusing on this idea of what to do when church hurts. And as in every part of the series, we're going to focus on one woman's story from the Bible, one person's story from the Bible, and we'll we'll learn how we can heal from hurt. And here's the crazy thing about church hurt. Church is designed to be a place that helps. It's really not supposed to be a place that hurts. And so when you experience church hurt, there's kind of this doubling effect where hey, if I was going to go to the hospital, I'm supposed to get better from my sickness. I'm supposed to get better from my illness. I'm not supposed to get worse. You're not supposed to make me sicker. You ever heard those stories where there's people having surgery, right? And the doctor leaves like the equipment behind in the body of the person that was there. Someone found uh, like a, a scalpel or a washcloth like 20 years later. I'm having a little pain in this area. I'm not sure what it is. X-ray. Oh, there's the scalpel, right? And you're like, that's not supposed to happen at the hospital. 
I go to the hospital to get better. I don't go to the hospital to get worse. The same idea happens at church. We go to church to get better. We go to church for healing. We go to church for hope. We, we participate in the body of Christ so that we can be strengthened and better together. And sometimes it's true that what God created for healing can be the source of pain in our lives. Now, anytime you participate in a relationship with someone where you make a connection, you open your heart, you are vulnerable, you will then experience pain in that relationship. In the pre-marriage counseling, I, I don't know why I've been talking about that over the last couple of months. In the pre-marriage counseling, we always talk to the kids, your spouse who you're about to say, I'm going to love you forever, at some point will be the person who is most responsible for the pain in your life. The people we love the most are often the people that hurt us the most. And that's true for the church. Again, if you think that that church is just a Sunday morning service or a building, you've missed out on what God has designed the church to be. The church is a community. It's a relationship. It's a place where God's people come together. It's It's a body. It's a marriage. And we as a community can hurt each other. So if you've ever experienced church hurt, hurt in the context of the body of Christ, what do you do? And, and here's a couple of truths about church hurt. First of all, church hurt happens to everyone in every local church. If you're doing church right, if you are being the church that God has designed you to be and you're building relationships, here's, here's the truth. You will experience hurt from the body of Christ, from within the body of Christ, at some point in your life. It is going to happen. Just like we said last week, you're going to experience life church. Yes, you will. The church will let you down because the church is made of imperfect people. Now, if it's going to happen, how do I prepare myself for it and how do I get through it? A second truth is this. Church is a mess. Always was, always will be, and that's kind of the point. You see, church is not a cruise ship. Where you get on and it's this imaginary place where people serve you and you have your every wishes and dreams fulfilled and it's white beach sand and there's, there's sun shining and, and even if it's raining, someone's holding your umbrella for you. Like, that's a cruise ship and ever, some people think that's what the church is supposed to be. Like, it's supposed to be this perfect place. No, no, no. The church is a, is a, is a hospital. The church is an is a emergency response center. A church is a place for broken people. And so when God has designed the church, he designed it to be a place for brokenness to come together to seek healing and connection with God. You see, the messier you are, the more you need the church. The more perfect you are, the less you need the church. But here's here's the truth. Nobody's perfect. So we as imperfect people come together and all of us with all of our mess, with all of our problems, with all of our brokenness, form a community and it gets rough sometimes. And even the leaders of the church are broken. Sometimes very broken. And they bring their mess into the mix. But that's the point. God wants us to come together. And we will experience the mess of relationship in the church. Another truth is this. Church hurt isn't every church or, every, or 
isn't every church or, I'm sorry, I wrote this wrong. The church, church hurt isn't every church or even your entire church. It's often some or one person. Here's, here's what we're getting at. When you experience church hurt, some people say, the church hurt me and I'm out. And they say that that, that church hurt them and therefore because they were caused pain in the church setting, they have now blamed the entire church and sometimes not just their church, but every church everywhere. And because they experienced hurt in the church setting, they now resist church in all forms. And they blame it on the entire institution, and it's just kind of checked off. And the truth is, often church hurt is caused by someone or a small group of people or an individual, not an entire body. My, my experience has been most people in a church setting want the best. Most people in the church setting want you to grow, want you to heal, want you to love God, want you to love your neighbor. If we're following after the things of Jesus and we're passionately going after God, that is our heart's desire. There's, there's a small number of people that are actually out to harm, but there are wolves in sheep's clothing in every place. And when we realize that it's not everyone against me and it's not the entire body of the church, that, that sometimes it's just a single person or a small group of people that's caused me pain, but that therefore made through shade on the entire organization. Another reality about church hurt is it's, as unbelievable as it may sound, church hurt can actually serve to deepen your faith. Church hurt can actually cause you to grow closer to God. And that's true of every single kind of hurt. So let's look at one woman's story in the Bible and talk about together what we can learn from her story. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4 is uh, the story of the woman at the well. Now the church in the New Testament is being birthed, it's being formed. And the whole point of the church is that God is establishing not an institution, not an organization, but he's establishing a body of believers that will follow and be led by the head of God of the church which is Jesus Christ his presence his bride is then here on this earth through the church and it's how we grow together it's how we love it's how we're strengthened and so God's establishing the church so that we can continue to represent Jesus here on earth now the people that had church the easiest were the ones that were able to be physically in Jesus's presence all the time they were able to go meet with him face to face. And, and so we see a situation where a woman met Jesus face to face. She didn't realize she was going to one of the very first church services. It was happening around at a, a well where people were getting water. And the woman at the well is a Sumerian. She wasn't even a Jewish woman. And in, in John chapter 4, we see this incredible story of this woman who met Jesus face to face at the well. Jesus was on a long journey. He sent his disciples out to get some food. And he's sitting around the well. And the Bible says at the sixth hour, in the middle of the day. And he's, he's waiting for a drink. And this woman comes along and she is by herself. She comes along at the sixth hour to get water. She comes to get quench her thirst and she sits down next to Jesus and Jesus asks her if she would give him a drink. He has a conversation with this woman. Culturally, there's all kinds of miscues here. Men weren't supposed to talk to women. Jews weren't supposed to talk to Sumerians. This is the wrong time for her to be getting water from the well. Yet this, this worship service has come together. She doesn't even know she's in it. And she's there at the well and he's spoken to her. Now she's surprised and, and there's a reason that she was surprised. He shouldn't have been talking to him because everybody knows 
her story. Everybody knows her reputation. Everybody knows what she's done. And everybody who's anybody has kind of pushed her aside. And they don't speak with her. But here was this rabbi, here was this authority figure, alone at the well, and she's there, she's drawing water. He says, will you give me a drink? And she says, sure, I'll, I'll give you a drink, rabbi, and this is weird, this is awkward, but okay, here you go, and you know, thank you for acknowledging me. And, and Jesus and this woman at the well strike up a conversation. I think Jesus, obviously being God, knowing her situation, recognized how she was feeling in this moment. He recognized the awkwardness. He recognized the need. He saw her despair. He saw her pain. He saw her hurt. He saw the heaviness that she was carrying. He saw her physical need to, for water. And in this moment, the first truth that we see from the story of the woman at the well, when we hurt, it leaves us feeling thirsty and alone. Whenever we hurt, it leaves us feeling thirsty and alone, here comes this woman. She's making the trek out to get a drink. She needs water. She's waited as long as possible to get the water. She's waited till all the other women have left the well. They treat her poorly. They talk about her behind her back. They've ostracized her and cast her out. And she has come by herself to this well to get a drink. The Bible says that she, it was about the sixth hour and the woman came to draw water from that well. She came intentionally at a time when no one else would be around. Whenever we face hurt, it leaves us thirsty. We're working with families that, that were affected by the explosion in Pottstown. Late on Thursday night, we're gathering around as community leaders and pastors have locked arms and arms and a lot of great pastors from town had come together to just meet the need and uh, care for the first responders, care for the neighbors that have been displaced. I was standing with my friend Bishop Anthony, and we're in the parking lot of the high school, and we're talking about what's needed, and the police chief comes over and says, well, there's going to be a lot of families that are, are going to need uh, a relief, a relief center. And Bishop says, I'm going to go get water. We said, all right. He left. I don't know where he went. I don't know how long he was gone. I'm like, is he coming back? We start working with families, and, and we're getting ready to help them. And then Bishop shows back up, and what he had with him was not one case of water, not, not two cases of water. He had 30 or 40 cases. Of, he brought a wall of water. He cleared out Walmart and Target. He had a caravan of cars that he called to come move this water. And so that everybody for this entire weekend, every first responder, every neighbor that was without power, everyone that needed to sit down and come in and rest, everyone that was trying to figure out what they're going to do next step, you know what they all had in common? A bottle of water from Bishop. Every single one. We're able to have their immediate need and what was their immediate need? In their time of hurt, they were thirsty. Whenever we feel hurt, whether it's emotional or physical, whether it's church hurt or relational hurt, whether it's loss, we become thirsty, physically thirsty, spiritually thirsty, relationally thirsty. 
That's the reality of hurt and pain in our lives. It causes us a longing for something to quench that thirst. Now, the problem with church hurt is it separates us from what we need the most, that refreshment from God and from Jesus and from one another. It also causes us to isolate. I remember when my, um, my father-in-law passed away. When my father-in-law passed away, he passed away suddenly of a heart attack in his early 60s. We were here. We, we immediately went back up to Michigan. We had just spent Christmas with him. And we got there, and obviously the, the one who was affected the most by this was my mother-in-law. And the entire family had gathered around. Friends had come. Church friends had come. And, and, and the house was a buzz. But even in the midst of that community, friends and family, my mother-in-law was alone. There was nobody else that understood what she was feeling. There was nobody else that understood the pain that she was having in that moment. There was nobody else that had the relationship that she had with my father-in-law. There was nobody else that had done life with him together. There was nobody else that was trying to figure out the plans that she was going to have and how her life now is suddenly changing. And even though she was surrounded by friends and family, she in that moment was thirsty and alone. When we experience hurt and pain, we experience these realities of thirst and loneliness. In the church setting, there can be a lot of causes for this thirst. We can, we can find ourselves in a church setting where we feel like we're being controlled or manipulated, whether that's by leadership, whether that's by friends, whether that's by family. We can feel like we've been neglected or we've been let down. Maybe our, our group wasn't there when we went through a heartache. Maybe someone forgot about an anniversary of some kind. Maybe, maybe they just didn't show up when you thought they would show up. I remember at my father-in-law's funeral, we were standing in line. Ah, oh, it gets me every time. And all these people were coming and hugging us and greeting us. And a couple from our church came and hugged us. And it blew my mind because my church is in Pennsylvania. And the funeral was in Michigan. What were they doing there? We had no idea. And that's the only time we saw them was for that one hug you know what made all the difference? They were there. They were there. And sometimes we're going through heartache and we can get hurt in the church setting because we thought the people that should have been there weren't there. And it causes us pain. We can, in the church setting, experience abuse. I, I, one, of the, one of the most popular podcasts of this past year was a podcast all about church abuse and control, and manipulation. And that podcast has been listened to more than any other podcast in 2022, especially, especially true in the religious section. And their people are hearing the story of abuse and control and manipulation, and they're relating to it. They're like, I've felt that. I've, I've experienced that. I've gone through that. Where have they gone through that? They've gone through that in the church study. A report just came out about the Southern Baptist Convention, about how they failed to address abuse in amongst the churches that they're facing. That's legitimate hurt. And that leaves victims thirsty and alone. You can experience the unnecessary drama that comes along with relationships, whether it's at church or middle school. It happens in both places. And it can be extremely painful. 
You know what she said. You know what he said. You know what. But at church, we describe it as prayer requests. We need to pray for so and so because they're dating someone that I don't think they should be dating. And what? Oh, let's pray later. Tell me more, right? And all of they that's no good. And then you found out they had a whole prayer meeting about you, right? And then it hurts. You're like, wait, I wasn't invited. You can, the hypocrisy, right? They say they love me, but then they hurt me. They say they tear me up, but then they tear me down. They say they want my best, but then they do the worst. I'm not going around that place because it's full of hypocrites. The number one reason people uh, abandon the church is because of hypocrisy in the church. And that hypocrisy of somehow, has, they have been let down by someone who said one thing and did another, said they loved Jesus and loved their neighbor, but then ended up not doing either of those things well, and it said, I'm out. I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to be a part of a place where there's just going to be hypocritical behavior. You can become thirsty and alone in a church because it's just changed. You, lo- you lost your comfort. You lost the way things used to be. Life has gone on and changes have happened, and that, can, that change can hurt you. You can find church hurt because you've been judged, right? How many people say no thanks to the invitation to worship together because they don't want someone to judge them? They don't want someone to look at their lifestyle. They don't want someone to look at their choices and think anything less than them. I was with a friend at a wedding just a couple days ago, and the friend said, I'm sweating like, you know how this one goes, right? And I said, a pastor at a bar? She said, no, like a prostitute at church. Why Why would a prostitute at church be uncomfortable? Why, why in the world would that happen? How is that possibly a thing? Shouldn't the person who would be most loved at our church be the prostitute? Be the thief? Be the liar? Be the hypocrite? Shouldn't, shouldn't the person who's most broken be the one we wrap our arms around and, and, and love in the name of Jesus? But instead of feeling love, they feel judgment. That hurts. And if you're not wearing the right outfit, or if you don't say the right words, or if you don't sing the right notes, or if you don't stand the right song, don't come here. Don't be a part of this this club because only certain people are welcome. No, no, no. But how many people have felt that judgment and it's caused them hurt? Embarrassment? I know what I did, now everybody else knows what I did, and you want me to do what? I can't be a part of that community, that church. Loss, one of the most painful church hurts for me was the death of my grandmother And when I was a teenager. She died after a battle of Alzheimer's, and we did a memorial service in a church. <laughs> and they put a teenager who's an emotional basket case, if you haven't figured that out yet, on the front row. During the, during the memorial service of the person I loved the most, you don't understand. I sat with nobody else during Sunday morning worship than with my grandmother. I sat with her every single Sunday. I fought to sit next to her. I played with her wedding rings. I moved her wiggly veins on her hand during the service. I watched her underline her Bible and highlight it. She gave me chiclets every Sunday. I loved my grandmother, and then the Sunday after the memorial service, I had nobody to sit with. 
loss. And it hurt to go back to worship and to church. Thirsty. Alone. We can experience broken trust. We can experience betrayal from leaders and from friends. Or we can just frankly be let down. This and many other reasons cause us to hurt at church. How have you been hurt at church? What story would you tell if I asked you where has your pain come from? What have you experienced? Because remember one of those truths about church is no matter who you are, if you spend any time with the body of Christ, you will experience church. And so we've all faced that pain in these moments. And what pain have you faced? And I feel, I feel strongly today, and if the Holy Spirit impressed anything on me this week to say to you today, as a leader in the church, as someone who God has appointed as a shepherd, if you have experienced church hurt, on behalf of all shepherds, I am sorry. I am so sorry that you were hurt in the church. I apologize. I apologize if I played any role of it or if any shepherd that I have ever known has played any role of it. I apologize for the hurt that's happened generations ago and the hurt that will happen. It breaks my heart to know that there is hurt in our church's setting and I officially apologize on behalf of all church leaders. I'm sorry that happened to you. And so is God. And so is God. In Lamentations chapter 3, it tells us that God's heart is not one of affliction. God's heart is not one of affliction. He does not desire us to be hurt. He doesn't want us to break. He doesn't want these, these pains to come in. And they have roared into our lives, our relationships, and our churches because we live in a sin-filled and broken world. Last week, if you heard anything, we said, where does hurt come from? Hurt comes from brokenness in this world. Broken bodies, broken minds, broken churches, broken people. We will experience hurt, and we will experience in the body of Christ, and I'm sorry for that. But there's a second truth that we see from the story of the woman at the well. As she continues on in the conversation that she says with Jesus, Jesus, uh, the woman at the well gets Jesus the water, and I imagine she pulls it up, and she pours it into the glass, and Jesus has the water, and he's, he's been traveling a long time, so he takes a big drink of water, and, and she's got her water in the sixth hour, and she takes a big drink of water, and, and I just kind of kind of cheeky feel like Jesus probably leaned onto the well, Jacob's well, and he said, hey, how would you like to never thirst again? And she's like, say what now? You see this water that you're drinking? How would you like to never be thirsty? And immediately in this moment, she's probably like, you mean I don't have to come to this well and drag this water back up? They didn't have like the turn on your faucet stuff and flush your toilets thing. They had to come down to the well all the time and carry it back up. It was a big part of their day. It was a big part of their social structure. She's like, never again? I never have to be thirsty again? That'd be great. And he says, you know what? I, I can make that happen. I can make it happen that you never have to be thirsty again. As a matter of fact, this is a truth that comes from this passage. It is possible to never be thirsty again. 
in John chapter 4, verses 13 through 15, whoever drinks of the water that I will give, and remember, he's holding on to the water that she gave him, whoever drinks of the water that, that I will give will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of, of well, uh, bringing eternal life. He's holding on to the water that has just thirst or quenched, and he's now, I want to give you something. I want to give you water, and the water that I give will cause you to never thirst again. It is possible, here's the truth, that you never have to be thirsty again. Now, let's dream a little dream, right? Let's imagine that for a second. Let's just kind of sink that into this moment and this time and this discussion. Do you mean to say that I never have to feel that experience of, of being thirsty because of judgment? If, if, I, if I experience an incredible loss in my life, if, if I'm a, a parent of, of, of someone who's been shot in a massacre, you mean I don't have to be, feel thirsty and alone? If I experience an explosion in the middle of my town and I'm displaced from my house, I don't have to be thirsty and alone? Do you mean to tell me that if, if I feel judgment from someone within my spiritual community or if my spiritual leader betrays my trust, that I don't ever have to be thirsty alone? You mean if my marriage is falling apart, I don't have to be thirsty and feel alone? I'm in. Sign me up for that. That, right? How in the world do I get that drink of water? How do I get a hold of that? I want to experience that. And now, if you're experienced hurt in this moment and you're at all thirsty and you're at all alone, I am not offering you false hope. Here's, a, here's the reality of the truth that God preaches. It is possible that if you will receive the water that Jesus gives, that you do not have to go through this life thirsty and alone ever again but here's the problem all of us keep trying to drink this we keep going back to people and places that we think will satisfy our thirst that is temporary and there is no person or no church that can perfectly satisfy our thirst this woman who was at the well had a reputation because she had been married five times. Five times. No wonder she didn't want to be in the presence of the other ladies. No wonder she didn't want to be sitting at the, fe at the feet of Jesus or talking to a rabbi or a spiritual leader. Especially not a Jew. They're so self-righteous and they think they have the Messiah on their side, right? And here she is having five, wife, five husbands and now she's in a relationship with a sixth guy who's not even her husband. And she's been trying to quench her thirst with the perfect relationship. And she's been on the search for Mr. Right, and none of them have satisfied her. How many of us do that? How many of us experience church hurt, and so we say, I don't like this church anymore because they've hurt me, so now I'm going to go to that church. Well, I don't like them anymore because they hurt me. Now I'm going to go to that church. Well, they just did the same thing again, and I'm going to go to that church, and I am keep trying to find some place that's going to satisfy my thirst. They're going to serve me in the way that I want to serve. This relationship isn't working out. I'm going to go for another one. That friend's no good. I'm going to have another friend over there. And then all of a sudden, we start leaning in to people and places trying to get our thirst quenched and that's never ever ever going to satisfy here's here's a couple of of deep truths about church hurt that i think are most significant and why we're starting off with this discussion in our series church hurt is particularly devastating because it separates us from what we need the most church hurt is particularly painful because it takes us away from the thing that should satisfy our thirst, the only thing. 
Number one, church hurts devastating because it break, brings just trust into your relationship with God. What do you need the most? You need a relationship with God. But when you get hurt by the church, that gets credited to God, and now God, you, God, you've done this to me in your house with your people, and now I don't trust God, and I push God to the side. The second thing that happens in church hurt is it divides us from the people of God. Now, I'm not wearing this shirt by accident. I put the shirt up here with our logo that says better together because I believe that the Bible teaches we are better together with God and with people who love God. What happens when we experience church hurt? It separates us from both. That's a huge danger. The third thing that happens with church hurt is it destroys the joy of worshiping God. I don't want to go there. I don't want to see those people. I don't want to sing those songs. I don't want to be in that place. I don't want to serve on that team. And all of a sudden it becomes hard and it becomes an obligation and it becomes draining. But what the Bible says we need the most is to worship God. And the fourth thing that happens in church hurt is it distracts us from the mission of God. If Satan can hurt you, he can get you off the field. Isn't it devastating when you're watching the big game? And the player goes out with an injury? Like Joel Embiid? <laughs> if the guy could have just been healthy for the entire playoffs, we would totally be winning, right? And now he's out. And when's he going to get back in? He's got to wear a face mask. And if so, so the other team's strategy is like, see the big guy break his arm. Satan has the same strategy. He wants you off the field. And if he can hurt you, bad enough that you take yourself out of the game, then you're no longer active in the mission of God. He wins. And church hurt disconnects us from the mission of God. And it is true and possible and likely that even in the midst of your hurt, God has a mission for you. He has people for you to reach. He has a testimony for you to shine. And in the midst of that hurt might be the time he wants to use you most, but you take yourself off the field. That's the danger of church hurt. So, what do we need? How do we quench our thirst? Write this down. What we need the most is to be with the people of God, in the presence of God, worshiping God in spirit and in truth. When you experience church hurt, don't withdraw from God, don't withdraw from people, don't withdraw from worship. Lean in. Run to God. Run to the worship. Open your hand and let that hurt go in the presence of God's people in the midst of worshiping God. He says to the woman at the well, I'm going to give you something that will cause you to never thirst again. If you drink from the, the spring that I provide, it will well up with you an eternal spring of life. God is looking for worshipers. In John chapter 4, verse 23, 24, he says, the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Must worship him in spirit and in truth. This is where the refreshment comes from. The people of God, the presence of God, and the worship of God. You see, the truth is this. You need the church, and the church badly needs you. 
We are the body of Christ, and it teaches that we are many members who form one body, and no, body, no part is any more or less important than the other. But when church hurt part, comes into our lives, it amputates us from the body of Christ. You need to be a part of the body, and the body needs you to be a part of it. So if abandoning the church is not the solution to church hurt, then what should I do when church hurts? Where should I go? How should I respond? And is there ever a time that I should leave my church? I feel like it's important to say this, but with time running down, I'm just going to mention this. If you want to talk to this more about this in the time ahead, I'm going to go over reasons why you should leave a church. There are some times where it is appropriate, where I believe God directs people to leave a church. I am not interested in sheep shuffling. I'm not interested in congregation stealing. I'm not interested in any of that thing. But what I am interested in is that you are in a healthy setting to worship God, to be with God, with the people of God, for the worship of God. That matters. And there are a lot of places that call themselves churches that may not be appropriate for that for you. And one of the things that we have, advantage or disadvantage, here in the in this United States of America, is we have the ability to choose what local congregation we're going to go to. Maybe we have too many choices, and we're looking for too much perfection. But when is it appropriate to leave the church? It's only appropriate after a season of prayer and counsel. You should, you should do this with wisdom and seeking God's direction. But here's a couple of reasons to leave a church. Number one, leave if, the, if God is sending you to serve elsewhere. I want a lot of you to leave Branch Life Church. And I know that sounds awful. I want it because I love you. And I want to send you to the neighborhoods, to the cities, to the nations, to the countries around us to help us build strong churches everywhere. I can't wait for Branch Life Church to start another campus, to be a part of another church revitalization, to get people onto the mission field to build more healthy churches. I can't wait for that to happen. And the only way that's going to happen is if some of you go away and do it. If some of you get called to serve in another place. And that's, that would be so thrilling to my soul as a pastor to see that multiplication process happening. We want to gain by losing. We want to see people go to serve Jesus and to do some incredible things. And then as a result, see the blessing of God pour down on all of the works that we're able to be a part of. Generosity is our growth strategy. Our growth strategy at Branch Life Church is to give everything away. And, and that's what we're hoping to do. And so I believe that God will call, some of you have been called here from other works because God called you to come and build a work. And that, that's an amazing privilege that we always need to explore and a very positive reason. Number two, you, you need to consider leaving a church after prayer and counsel if the Bible is not the ultimate authority. If the buck stops with a person, <laughs> right, and they're not consulting scripture, like if the Bible's not taught, if the Bible's not, we can have all kinds of theological dif dif disagreements if both people on both ends care desperately about what the Bible says. That's what's most important. So in the church, the Bible needs to be the ultimate authority. Number three, you need to leave if there's abuse and it's not safe. Absolutely no doubt. Don't be a part of a church where abuse is not being addressed. There will be abuse, but if it's not addressed and it's not safe, get out. And get to a place that's safe. Leave if you can't trust or follow the church's leaders for the sake of unity. 
Leave if you can't trust or follow the leaders for the sake of unity. That's, this is massively important. How do we become unified as a church? You follow the vision of the leaders that God has given you. And if you can't follow that vision, if you can't trust that leadership, then I, I doubt God wants you to be a part of that. So be a part of a work where you can follow the leaders and be a part of the unifying work. Don't be a part of disunity in a church. And number five, leave if you aren't excited to bring unchurched friends and make disciples. If God asks you to bring your, faith, your, your church to worship, your neighbors to your church to worship, and you're embarrassed to do it, don't be there. <laughs> we want to be a place, and the church has to be a place, where people who don't know Jesus are able to come and be loved and welcomed. So those are some reasons why to leave a church. But here, let me, let me qualify it with this statement. Leaving a church should never be easy. It should never be quick. You only leave if you're, if, if you're convinced that God's best for you and your family. It's God's best. Leave with only words of grace and forgiveness that build the body of Christ and with the goal of quickly joining a disciple-making church with the kingdom building God focus. God might ask you to move churches. He will never ask you to leave the church. You see, the kingdom of God is many churches, is one church in many places. And we may have work to do and appropriate settings in other places, but he's never going to ask you to abandon the church. He's never going to ask you to leave it. He will always call you to a local body. Why? Because that's his plan A for your life. Now, there's a lot that we need to forgive in our setting of broken churches. And so as we move forward, never allow it to be an option that you abandon the church altogether. But if God's calling you for your health or for service to move, then you do what God says. Now, here's the third and final point. We'll close with our time of, of communion with this. In the story of the woman of the well, we see that God can make beauty from ashes. Even her story, where she was desperately broken, where she was desperately thirsty, where she was desperately alone, God used her in John chapter 4, verse 39, and it said this, many from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. She became a powerful force for the church of God in this moment, bringing many people to Jesus. Yes, the divorcee five times and the one who had a boyfriend, the one that was shunned and gossiped about, the one that had been hurt by her community, met Jesus and became someone who found that water, and she started running around and said, you used to drink this. You now need to meet him. He's Jesus. He's the Messiah. Come and see. He knows. He heals. He helps. And he, he is going to bring an everlasting well that will spring inside of you no matter what's happened. And many in the town believed. God can use you no matter what's happened in your life. And some of you have come through a season of church hurt. And, and you're, you're looking at, where am I supposed to go? Look, God wants to use this next season to do incredible things for the sake of Jesus. He wants you to build the kingdom of God. He wants you to be on the playing field. He wants you to worship him in spirit and in truth. He wants you to connect to the body of Christ and go crazy for the church of Christ and to be a testimony and a witness for Christ. And God can take your church hurt. He can take those ashes that have been so painful and caused you to feel so thirsty and alone, and he can make beautiful things happen. So, so what should I do when church hurts? If we look at the advice of people who have been there, the, the, the one guy, this is one of my favorite quotes, he says, he's been hurt so many times in the church, more times than you can shake a Bible at. What, what does he say? He just says, hey, just understand. Just, we need to apologize for that. We need to apologize. And, and 
we, we don't want to damage people in the name of Jesus. If you've been a part of church hurt, if you've hurt someone else, you need to apologize for that. That's something that you need to do. Second, if, realize you're not alone. Here's the good news, right? We, we've all experienced this on some level. So in your small group, talk this out. Don't gossip, don't slander, don't tear anyone down, but talk about how you feel and how you can heal. You can hold on to your faith. Walking towards healing can be a brutal process, but take it from someone who's been there. Here's advice. It's worth it. It's worth it to reconnect. It's worth it to go all in. It's worth it to continue to serve. As unbelievable as it sounds, church hurt can deepen your faith and doesn't have to unend it. Here's what Paul says about church hurt. Let us lay aside every weight. That's church hurt weight. That's relation weight. That's, that's emotional weight. Let's lay, lay aside every weight. Let's lay aside every sin which so easily closes in and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us Looking to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the one who is writing your story. For the joy who set before him, he endured the cross. He was willing to go through hurt for the joy that was next. So what do we do? What do we do? Lay down your weight and look to Jesus because he understands. Second, John chapter 4 says, now look, look. The fields are white unto harvest. When you look at Jesus, he's going to point you to the other hurting and broken people. He's going to point you to the other broken people, and he's going to say to you, look, look to give others what they need the most, Jesus. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Look up and look out. Hurt can cause us to look in, to look down, and to look in. We have to look up and look out in the name of Jesus. We want to end with some moments of just silence, reflection, and communion. I want to invite the worship team to come up and lead us in this time. We want to ask you to just be still in the presence of God. After a, a moment of silence, and during this moment of silence, I would like to ask you guys to remember the families from the Pottstown explosion that have been affected the families in Texas, other incidents that have gone on around our country. We've been asked to pray by community leaders, and, and I'm asking you to pray for these families. Would we just be still in God's moment and lift these and other concerns up to him? And then we're going to together listen, or you can sing Amazing Grace. And you can continue to reflect, you can continue to pray, but turn your attention towards Jesus. Look to Jesus. And hand him your hurt, whatever it may be. Talk to God in a spirit of confession about maybe where you've fallen short. And after we've sung the song Amazing Grace, we're going to invite you into a time of remembrance where we participate in the broken body and the spilt blood of Jesus. Would you join me for a moment of silence?
invite you to grab the bread, which symbolizes the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we hold that bread, we think of Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross. God, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your broken body. We thank you, God, that you hurt so that we could have life and life everlasting. We're thankful, God, that you were thirsty so that we would never thirst again. God, we thank you for paying our penalty, for taking our punishment for our sins in this moment on the cross. Lord, as we pause in this time of communion, we confess our sins where we fall short, where we've hurt others. We ask you to forgive us our sins. Lord, we remember your death on the cross, and we proclaim together that you have died and that you've rose again for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says that he broke the bread sitting around the table. When he had given it to his disciples, he said, take eat in remembrance of me. He continues to go on and, and he passes the cup to the disciples around him and he says, in like manner, drink of this cup which represents my blood that was spilt for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Hey, thanks for joining us for this discussion. We hope it helped whatever season of life you find yourself. We hope that you'll check out some of the other episodes that talk about different seasons, when life hurts And we'd love for you to go to branchlife.church now and fill out your connection card where we can connect on a deeper level in some way. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.